Hello and welcome to another episode of the Break It Down for Brackets podcast. Today's an exciting one. I get to talk to my wife, Jenny Brackens, and her training partner, Travis Mulison. They are doing some long runs on the weekends and some runs at nighttime and some runs in the morning and they are training and training and training. And I think our intention is to create a series where we almost journal or document their training approach from week to week um, with the focus on the JFK 50 and a sampling of the Highland Sky, I think it is, 40 miler, which is coming up in June. I learned a lot about both of their backgrounds, racing, workout experience, that sort of stuff. Uh, enjoy the recording. Have you heard of Bracken's painting? I started Bracken's painting back in 2011. We do both residential and commercial painting. We have contractors licenses in West Virginia and Virginia, and we carry all the necessary insurances, like workers' comp, general liability. We operate a small staff that focuses on meeting the homeowner's needs and project manager's timeline expectations. Uh, we, pri we try to have exceptional attention to detail. If you're interested in doing any sort of commercial or residential painting, please contact Bracken's Painting. More information can be found at www.brackenspainting.com. The intro and background music you're hearing today on the podcast is produced and written and performed by Peter Clark from his album Peter Clark After Dark. This song is actually called Finely Tanned Beer Guts. I used to have a beer cut. Sometimes it was tan. I don't know if it was finely tanned. It was definitely a hairy kind of tanned beer gut. But I don't really know much about why this song is named this or where he drew his inspiration but you can hear the full song on Peter Clark After Dark, which you can search on SoundCloud. Jenny, Travis, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me. Right on. So let's just jump right into it. Let's talk about, um, Jenny, you go first. Uh, give me some of your background. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? What do you do for a living? You know, what brought you to Jefferson County? How long have you lived here? All that sort of stuff. Okay. I grew up in Centerville, Virginia. Went to Centerville High School. Um, lived Northern Virginia for most of my life um, until 2003. I moved to New York City to finish my undergraduate degree. And... Uh, uh, parallel to that, I started my career as a security Where professional. Where did you go to college? St. John's University. Okay. And where I, I earned my bachelor's degree. And how'd you uh, did you get good grades? I did. How'd you do? I graduated first in my class. Oh, how about that? Congratulations. <laughs> um, and so at the same time, I had a career that I started. Um, in 1999 um, as a security professional for a government contractor and I am still in that career today. When did you move to Jefferson County? I moved to Jefferson County after I finished my undergraduate degree at St. John's University. I was looking to buy my first house and I was moving from New York back to Virginia um, because I was continuing my career and I 
didn't feel like paying the prices that everybody was paying to live in Northern Virginia. So I looked around. My parents had come out to Jefferson County and, and built a house. And I looked into my options and found that I could uh, afford to, to build my own home out here in Jefferson County um, and, and a home that would cost me twice as much living in Fairfax County or Loudoun County. So I moved out here in, oh, let's see, 2007, and I've lived here ever since. When did you meet your handsome husband? <laughs> I met my handsome, smooth jazz voice, <laughs> sexual chocolate husband in 2009. Actually, I met you in 1999 or 1998 when you were in the Army. That's right. But... We didn't actually have our first date until 2009. That's good. That's good. Travis, what about you? Where are you from? Um, I grew up in Martinsburg, West Virginia. That's where I've lived my whole life. I have two children, two grandchildren. They all live in Dalton, Georgia. I graduated in 1991 from Martinsburg High School. Cool. What do you do for a living? I'm a steel fabricator. I work for D.L. George in Pennsylvania. What's that mean, steel fabricator? Um, we just, we build, like, I, I built bridges before I went to where I was. Now we just piece stuff together still. Build bridges, that's pretty hard. Yeah, work. yeah, that's what I was doing. What would you do building a bridge? Like, what, I always, so I, we, I, I see all these guys milling about on construction projects. I wonder if each um, person knows what their job is. I just don't even I'm know. in charge of the painting operation. Painter? Yes. Okay, cool. I'm a paint shop supervisor. Cool. I mean, we weld. I mean, I'm not a welder, but we do all the welding and all the machining and everything that it takes. And I'm in charge of all the painting operations. Nice. Well, now both of you guys are runners, and you guys paired up, and you're training for some events this year. Yes. You guys are pumping out lots and lots of miles. We before, are. Before we get into what events, Jenny, let's talk about your training and racing background. I want a fully detailed breakdown from when it started. To where we are today. Hey, Travis, get ready. Yes. <laughs> okay. I did not grow up running. I did not grow up an athlete. I grew up um, a musician. I played piano. I played flute. I played violin. I played the fife. I was in a parade group where I marched in many, many, many parades for well over a decade of my life. Um, and that was the activity that my parents had me involved in. I'm not very good at organized sports. Um, and I remember as a kid going out and running and hating it. I, I always felt like I could never get my breath going out for resource, uh, recess. It was always very difficult for me. So I simply didn't grow up doing any of that, uh, that type of activity or sports. Um, I did always enjoy um, working out, uh, some aerobic activity. I didn't do a whole ton of it. Aerobics? Aerobics. Okay. Like the old school... In the late 90s, I joined a gym and I started doing step aerobics and, and, and different fitness classes. But I didn't do a whole lot of that. I did it for about, about a year or so. Um, and I've always enjoyed walking and hiking. So growing up as a kid, we lived right next to the Manassas Battlefield. And we lived very close to the Appalachian Trail and Skyline Drive. And our family activities were to go hiking. And so uh, regularly, 
we would go out and go on trail. And so I could walk endlessly. Um, I enjoyed my time with my dad in that way. We, we share a very special bond in that way because we enjoyed trail a lot. Um, so that's the extent of me being active was a whole lot of hiking. And so as, as I got a little bit older, um, I, I still didn't have a ton of interest in, in going to the gym all the time. It was kind of a passive activity that I, that I would have. Um, I didn't actually start getting active um, in any way until around 2013. Would you like the background? Oh yeah, break, break it down. Let's okay, go. so let's break it down. I moved to, when I moved to Jefferson County from New York, I was, I, I moved from New York after having gone through a divorce a couple years earlier. And in Jefferson County, I didn't know anybody. And in fact, I remember the first night that I was in Jefferson County, I was staying with my parents after I had moved back from New York. And I remember crying because I didn't know how I was going to meet anybody. I didn't know how I was going to fit in. I didn't know how I was going to kind of continue my life. And it was a very difficult period for me. And um, I didn't go out at all. I went to work and I came home and I had one friend and that one friend lived right next door to me and she was my friend because we shared a wall, we had townhouses. And so she used to always joke and say, um, you know, in the winter time, I'll see you in the spring because I would just never go out. And so you, when I met you. Enter the handsome husband. Enter the handsome <laughs> husband who I was actually set up through on a date with because you might wonder how I if I'm not going out how was I even meeting anybody I, we were not set up I asked you out <laughs> legit and then you ran around checking my references let's be clear <laughs> in an effort to try to meet people I joined Facebook very reluctantly I had a friend who was a mutual friend of ours who recommended I join Facebook and my first reaction was that is for college kids because back in the day it was that's right so I joined Facebook and within a very short period of time, I was friended by you. Nice, yeah. <laughs> like for, I was waiting for you. Griever status. I was waiting and waiting. And you messaged me and you uh, said, let's get together sometime. And I blew that off. And then uh, you said, no, I'm serious. Let's get together. And... You know. oh, okay, right. we're, get, we're going down a rabbit hole now. Let's, <laughs> the rest so I, I came around, and then I guess I was going to the gym. I was working at a gym. You were working at a gym. Right. So when I met you, you were a senior fitness manager with Gold's Gym International, and you were leading a boot camp class. And you invited me to come to that boot camp class, and you were extra hard on me. It was really, really tough. And I was not extra hard. Disagree. I think it was okay. Continue. At that time, I didn't belong to a gym, um, and so I agreed to go along as kind of a date thing to go to your boot camp classes. And I was getting to know you and your fitness background, and um, it still took a long time before I started to get active. And you recognized that I just didn't. I had a hard time meeting people. 
No, it wasn't that way. Hold on, hold on. Let's, for the sake of timing, okay? I left the gym for Gold's Gym. I left it for another fitness facility management job, which means I lost my gym privileges for the most part. So I joined the Gold's Gym out here. And I said, as I'm sure most couples do, oh, we should join the gym together. I'll get you signed up. Then we went literally seven or eight months without you going at all. We signed up and I didn't go. Right. And then I said, if you don't start going to the gym, I'm going to cancel your membership, which I do not feel is out of line. And it happened to coincide with the end of the year. So it looks really lame, like I made a New Year's resolution to start going to the gym. But yes, that is exactly what happened and how I first started to get active. You said, I'm going to cancel your gym membership if you don't go to the gym. And so I believe if it wasn't the first of the year, it was in the first week of the year in 2013, I decided to go to Gold's by myself. I have told this story before. I had a pair of cutoff sweatpants on. I had your t-shirt on. Mm -hmm. Dreams do come true. Right. Or maybe it was talk nerdy to me. It had the calculator that said boobs on it. (laughs) You're right. Yes. And I walked into the gym, had no idea what I was doing, went to the cardio fitness room um, or the uh, cardio cinema room so that I could be in the dark. I felt very self-conscious and I got on an elliptical and spent about, I'd say five minutes on there and had enough of it and walked out of the gym. I was done. What sent you back? I didn't want to feel like a failure in that. I don't know why I was so intimidated, but it just really bothered me. And so I decided to go back again and try again, even though I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to use any of the equipment. I was, I didn't want to bother anybody. I didn't have any friends to kind of help me along and it was really hard. And so as I continued to go, I discovered um, group fitness classes, which expanded my whole world. The person I am today is because I was I was exposed to those classes, and I realized that if I decided to kind of take a chance and go to the group fitness classes, not only would an instructor show me what to do, but if I stood in the front of the class, I couldn't walk out. I couldn't leave because I was afraid, and because I was so afraid in the beginning. And that turned into me taking every single group fitness class that was offered at Gold's Gym multiple times a day. And I was in the front, anybody who remembers me from back then, I was in the front of every single class that I ever took and I never stopped being in the front. And when it, when it comes to my fitness, and this resolution that has turned into a permanent life decision because this started in 2013 and it has not ended since. Right. For me, it's always been hard. This stuff does not come easy to me. I'm not a natural athlete. And I know you and I have had conversations about that and it sounds a little bit ridiculous, but I don't think a lot of people truly know my background. And what I think is, is, the secret sauce for me being an athlete is not that I'm particularly good at anything, but that I will try hard my hardest until I can be the best at that thing. That's why in St. John's University, 
I went and graduated in the top of my class. I didn't have an opportunity to go to college with my peers. I went as an older student. So I went and said, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this the best I can. That's kind of my approach to fitness. And so after about a year of going to group exercise classes within Gold's Gym, um, I had a friend of mine who ran a race called Ragnar. Her name is Karen. And she, did the road version and she had a conversation with me and said you know what you should try to you should try to run this race and at that point still not a runner still had never run at all and despite being very um aerobically fit i could not run a quarter mile that's right and i used to say i would never be a runner that's right but she challenged me she said, I think you can run this. And I took her challenge. And I had, and by this time, after a year, I had met so many people within Gold's Gym. That was really my conduit to meet new friends. And I had a friend um, named Ruth Ann, who was a trainer. And she said that she would take me out running sometime. And so she took me on my very first training run, which was the uh, Gold's Gym 5K course. It's the course that runs around the gym, um, the 5K three miles. And then, not long after that, um, I, na I, met, I met a guy named Bill Young, co-founder of Bros and Bras. That's right. Who would be on my very first Ragnar team and who took me out on training runs regularly. He taught me how to run. He taught me that to run, I didn't need to be overexerted and dying. He taught me that I could be conversational to be a runner. And I had no idea. That I, I couldn't ever run in my life because I thought in order to run, you had to run fast and you had to be dying. Can, I, can we hit pause for a second? Yes. So this history is bringing us up through not being an athlete to starting group exercise to making tons of friends in the group exercise environment and then eventually starting to consider becoming a runner. Before we branch into Ragnar's and accomplishments in running, let's talk about your lifting uh, career because you went from Gold's mm -hmm. over to CrossFit at some point, I believe, was that just as the running was starting also? Just as the running was started, I branched out from Gold's so, and... So, yeah, yeah. so let's talk about the CrossFit part and how long you were there and the dedication you put into that. And once we've summed that up, we'll branch over to Travis to find out about his fitness background. Then we'll branch into races and accomplishments sure. on course. Well, first of all, at that period at Gold's Gym, I had, um, and, and when I was challenged to do that Ragnar, Ragnar would be my first race. And so as I was learning to run with my friends, um, I also learned about a new gym that was opening up. It's called a box in the CrossFit world. Um, called Iron Musket CrossFit. Um, they were opening up in Kearneysville, West Virginia. We did not have a box that was closer to us. Um, the, the next closest was in Martinsburg. Actually, we had a previous box that was open that was closing. Um, and um, I had a friend from Gold's Gym who invited me out to a, a CrossFit class. Her name was uh, Trish. And she and I went and we did this workout. Um, it happened to be around Memorial Day. And my very first uh, workout within CrossFit was called Murph. <laughs> I 
which if anybody is listening to this is familiar with CrossFit, is done every year on Memorial Day. Uh, it is a beast of a workout. Um, and uh, that was my intro. Um, and that was actually at the uh, CrossFit box that was closing. Um, so I kind of was bitten by the bug and learned about the new box that was opening up Iron Musket, and and I was one of their first members. I signed up. How long did you train there? Trained there for four years. Four years? Four years. I learned Olympic weightlifting. I learned, I, I became very good at explosive movements and exercises. I became strong mm. in CrossFit. Okay. That's good. We'll tie back that in a minute. Travis. Yes. How did you get into fitness? So around 2009, I was recovering. Well, I had my third and fourth back surgeries, and I was severely opiate dependent. And okay. I, it, more than dependent, I mean, I, I abused opiates. So, um, so to start there, um, I guess it was later in 2009 I was in my sister's that's where I lived in my sister's basement recovering from my surgeries right they had a treadmill down in their basement and one day I just got bored and just started walking on it and I was still addicted to the opiates and everything and I actually got worse for a while with my opiate addictions and then early 2010 or late 2009 my mom she had come to me and told me that she'd just taken out an insurance policy out on me because she couldn't afford to bury me when I'd passed away from opiate addiction. So my whole, I mean, it's like every day she expected to hear that I died OD'd somewhere. So that kind of woke me up a little bit. And then I also weighed 330 pounds at this time. I mean, just a mess. So um, when, when you say you were opiate dependent, you weren't on prescription anymore. You were... I was on prescriptions, but when I would run out of my prescriptions, I would take anybody's that okay. was willing to give me opiates. Gotcha. So, um, I, like Three, I said, 330 pounds? 330 pounds, and my doctor, he had told me that my fourth surgery was a success, that he thought I would be able to walk with the use of a cane again. So, I mean, that's what he had told me. So that was in my head, so that just made me want to do more drugs. Because okay. I thought, well, ain't too much point of living anymore at this because I just didn't want to be like that. So, but what woke me up is when my mom told me about the whole insurance thing. So I started walking more and more on a treadmill, and I thought I liked it. Then within a month or so, I, I went to Martinsburg High School, and I got a ride up there because I had done lost everything that I had, vehicles and everything like that, and started walking around the track up at the high school. And within about a month or so, I could walk a mile. And then I slowly started jogging and losing weight. Then it became a challenge to me. And then later that year, I did the Freedom's Run Half Marathon. That was my first run, and it was pouring down rain. It was like What, what year was this? I, I would say it was 2010, okay. that October. I just remember it being cold and rainy. And then I did the Shamrock Marathon later that year. So you went from walking on a treadmill? Yeah, to jog in a mile, and then you, yeah, you just said, I'm going to go ahead and try my half marathon. Yeah, yeah, okay. pretty much. How did that first half marathon go? Cold, cold and wet. That's what I remember of it. 
and sore. <laughs> but you got it done yeah, yeah, efficiently. Yeah, I got it done. Awesome. I don't know how efficiently it was, but it got done. <laughs> well, if you're able to get it done, you got it done. Right, right. right. Okay, so then you said you did a marathon after that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, Shamrock Marathon was my next adventure. That would have been 2012. And I was just training for the half. So I was training good for the half. And when I went to sign up for it, the half marathon was already sold out. So I was like, well, I'm just going to sign up for the uh-huh. whole marathon and went and done the whole marathon. And I'd done the 8K the, the day before that race because they had a thing that's called the Well Challenge. I'm like, well, if I'm going to be there, I'm going to run both days. Okay. So that sounds a little crazy. A little bit. Just, just jumping in. And yeah. then, I mean, I, I can appreciate it, but to somebody who's just listening, it, that's a, that's a, a long, it would be a long journey for somebody who wasn't extremely driven. So you've got to be really driven. Yeah. When people say that running has changed them and actually saved their life, I literally believe that. I traded one addiction for the other addiction. And still to this day, I, I have to run or I get all mentally jacked up. I mean, it's part of my life, a big so, part of it. So since 2010, which was your first race. Yes. How many um, races have you done since then? I don't know about half some 5Ks and stuff, but I, I believe. Like I've dozens? Got, I've got 22 marathons and, and four, well, three attempts at JFK and one finish. I did 150K. Okay. Which 50K was it? It was the UROC Ultra Race of Champions. It was in Charlottesville, Virginia. Nice. Okay. So that's really hardcore, Travis. Thank you. Jenny, let's talk about your race history in three minutes. I mean, let's take three minutes to discuss it. First race was Ragnar. No. It was not. Wasn't it the the dogs? Oh, yes, it was. No, it was. Okay, so in my first race, I did not want to have any eyes on me, and I didn't want to have any judgment because I was afraid of running. And I said I would never be a runner, so I signed up for a local 10K. Um, It's the Tales on Trails event. Briggs Animal Adoption Center has two runs per year, and it's at the the Blandy Farm Arboretum in Virginia. And it is a wonderful event because it's not timed and there's no pressure. So, yes, that was my first official run, and I told nobody I was doing it. I didn't know anybody out there. I just did it and realized I could run a race. Did I go to that with you? Nope. Where was I? Never never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm having a conversation with my wife here. So I'm trying to... Okay. Blandy Farm. Tales for Trails. Tales on Trails. Tales on Trails was your first 10K. Second, first... second race. Second race. Uh, Ragnar. Um, Appalachians. Are you sure? Yeah. I don't know. Ragnar Trail. Appalachians. Really? Was my second race ever. It was my first just, official big race. Just a little background. She went from running a 10K on a farm to running a Ragnar. How soon after that, do you think? A month? month and a half? Yeah. It was part of my training. Some background on Ragnar. It's three races crammed into one. It's a 3.2 and a 2.4 and a... Uh, 3.5, 4.6, 6.7. Miles at per that particular loop. Race. And, okay, continue, Jenny. So, but I, th- I think I should back up for a second because... I was interested in running trail. I had grown up on trail. I was very comfortable hiking trail, endless miles. 
And but I just didn't discover that I was actually good at it until the very first time I went running by myself and not with Ruthann and not with Bill. And one day I decided to go up and hike Maryland Heights. And this was about a year after I'd been training at Gold's. And this is right when I was starting my training for Ragnar. And I started hiking up it. And it's truly, it's so cheesy. It is a Forrest Gump moment. I started running. I first started jogging. And when I got to the section where you go through the Stone Fort Loop, I saw that off to the left and I started running. And I kept running, rather, because I was still running. And I ran that entire hill up. And then when I got to the top of that, I thought, well, I'm okay. Everything's flattened out. I think I can still continue to run. And I remember this guy that I passed running up the hill. He was like, oh my God, you're running. And, and I was a brand new runner, so I didn't know what it meant. So long story short, ran the entire Stone Fort Loop, ran all the way back down to the end of the Maryland Heights Trail, ran across the canal, ran back up over the Harpers Ferry Bridge, stopped at the at the end of the footbridge cried called you mm -hmm. and said you'll never guess what i just did so that once i ran maryland heights and i realized that i could do it i was like whoa that was some... a pivotal moment though yeah and, and and of course okay so when i first started to run um when i had was running with other people i couldn't run a quarter mile and so that really showed how far i had come and the significance of it. And I realized I love trail. I realized that all that training, my entire life being out on the Appalachian Trail and Skyline Drive, this is what I was meant to do. And I was good at it. I'm good at rock scrambling. I'm really good at trail. It's the only thing, it's one of the few things that I'm good at. So I fell in love with it. So that's why when I pursued Ragnar, I didn't pursue the road version, I pursued trail. Okay, and then how many half marathons, 5Ks, 10Ks do you think you've got? I don't know the number on 5Ks and 10Ks. There are so many. Yeah. But I have run uh, 22 half marathons, um, two marathons, one trail, uh, 150K. Um, and I have done 12, 13, 14. I've done 12, 12 Ragnars thus far, most of those being trail. That's awesome. So now, this is what the story is all about. This little series we're putting together. You two are training together for the JFK 50 miler, correct? Yes. yes. Who wants to start off discussing how that came about and what your path moving forward is? Uh, you can. I, I, I can begin. <laughs> um, la, uh, year before last. An article was shared on Facebook about uh, Travis, um, and I believe it was from Dr. Mark, and he yes. he was sharing Travis's story, and I was absolutely touched by it. Um, it was the story of his his rise out of addiction, how running had helped him, um, and that how and and I felt like he had a, he had a voice for people, um, and. It, it just did something to me. And I believe I messaged you, or, or no, I commented on that post yeah, and said, comment. I don't know you, but I want to tell you how impressive this is to me. And, and there's a reason it's significant. 
When I was a when I was a younger person, I was engaged to someone who had who I've never openly shared this about, but had an opiate addiction, and it was very similar to Travis's. Had back issues, was prescribed medication, um, and um, became addicted um, as a result of doctor prescribed medication. And this was back before the opiate crisis was as it is now. This is in the late '90s. Um, we became engaged, and um, I told him that a stipulation of our engagement would be that he get clean and that he talk to his parents and he go get and he go get help. He he did. He immediately after that conversation um, decided to ch voluntarily check him into an inpatient treatment center, and within a week he died. He was um, he had a heart attack. I believe it was from uh, methadone. He was being treated with methadone, so he did not survive his addiction. So I've always felt like my whole life I'm living my life for two people. And that I, because he was so much more than his addiction. And, and so I felt like I sort of have a voice for the people who are on the other side of addiction the survivors, the supporters. So I read Travis's story and immediately connected his story to my story. And I, I can't even describe how impressed I was that he had come out of this because I had lived firsthand how hard it was for somebody to come out of it and for somebody to not survive. And knowing what the crisis is in our area. And so I reached out to him and we became friends. And as he um, was going through his journey with his JFK 50 attempts, I would once in a while send him a message saying, hey, well, I believe we eventually met at Two Rivers Treads. Yes, correct. Uh, I believe at Mark's book signing? Yes. Yeah, and which we are both in Mark's book. And um, we are very grateful to talk to Mark <laughs> for so many things. But I had actually met him, and then then I had we we became friends, and I would give him words of encouragement as he was preparing for JFK fifty. Um, and this year, we had Travis was basically a celebrity somehow. Yeah, no, yeah, like, he is. I think everybody he knew is. him. Yeah, I mean, even I was watching him for three of his attempts, I believe. Like I knew him after. Probably when he started his second one was when I first met him somehow. I right. think there are a lot of people like us who were kind of watching and saying, ah, oh, we know he can do this. And we were all rooting. Like, we wanted him to finish. We wanted him to be successful because what he represents to our greater community is immeasurable. And and so this, this past year, um, I, I was sharing encouragement and and I don't Travis you can probably speak better to this somehow we came up with if you finish the JFK 50 this year I will run it next year that was the deal <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and I, I actually knew what I was getting into because there was never a doubt in my mind that he would finish I knew that he it, I knew that he would finish Little did I know I would be running it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you finished it and now, and now you are you are yes. not off the hook. That's uh, well, that's good. So the ultimatum basically was set, and now you're both following through with the commitment. Yes. As a guy from the outside, 
me watching how much you're training, I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I have a little bit of history in ultra endurance sports, but I have a significant history in not being trained enough for them. Right. So is this much training this far out? Like um, the path, like I, I, to me, it's amazing the kind of miles and speeds you guys are putting down. To me, it is JFK is the ultimate goal race, but we have one in June that is going to take just as much training to complete. What's in June? Highland Sky. Tell me about that race. I don't know much about it except for nobody has told me it was easy. Forty <laughs> yeah. miles. Yeah, and it's all mountain. Where where's it located? Um, Davis county okay mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be really tough i mean I, I believe it's gonna be tougher than jfk okay okay so you're training for a race in june yes we're actually training <laughs> for a number of races so uh, we have our our race schedules uh, mapped out for the entire year and we're not doing the same races all year round but um straight out of the gate the reason that we're putting the miles in now is is in um april we have a 50k I, I roll my eyes at myself right now because even though you think I'm never listening, I always am. I thought Highland Sky was late August, even into no. June 20th. Yeah. Okay, well, now it makes a lot of sense why you're pumping out these kind of miles. Yeah, 50K. So 50Ks are on the schedule for uh, the end of March in April, uh, 40 miler in June. Miner's Lady, our very favorite local ultra, uh, eight hour endurance races in July. Are you both doing that? Yes. I'm doing manners lady also. Yes. Um, and, uh, and and this will be my third year doing it. I've done it every since they started the race. Um, and then we have, um, of course, JFK 50 in November. So it's a long ways out, but we're training for a number of other races in the meantime. Would you guys say that each one of these races is a staging ground for the JFK 50? Is, and is yes. the JFK 50 the, the end game for the year? Like that is what it's all about? Well, you're in the game. It's my. Do you want to share that? Well, I guess it's good. I oh. I've got a hundred in my mind. Oh yeah. For December. I mean, I haven't totally committed to it yet, but that's pretty epic, man. It's. It's. I just don't want it to turn into a four-year obsession again. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's in my mind that, and I'm probably gonna attempt it. Good. Good. It's the devil dog. It's in December. I don't even want to talk about that yet, Travis, <laughs> because I'm still having a time wrapping my head around this mega 50 miler. So mm-hmm. 100 milers is just even crazier. Um, and we, I have a podcast scheduled with uh, 100 mile runners coming up. So I look forward to understanding how crazy they are also. So highland sky is coming up in june it's a 40 mile race that allegedly is harder than jfk 50. yes what kind of specialized training are you guys doing now um hill repeats lots of hills how big are the hills um well we're we're doing a lot every weekend we are running uh appalachian trail or something comparable we are running um mountain trails so typically um we will have anywhere from 2000 to 4000 foot elevation gains, losses in, in the training that we're doing. So our training is focused on trail. We do have some road. We are doing some speed work. We do some, some hill work, oh, some intervals yes. during the week, but primarily our preparation is on trail, very technical trail, very challenging trail. So you guys trained today. We did. How many miles today? 
16. Okay, how many miles tomorrow? Uh, five. Yes. How many miles did we do on Friday? Five. How many miles on Thursday? Eight. Thursday was hill repeating. Yeah, eight. eight. <laughs> Thursday was tough. It was a terrible workout. But good, but successful. Yes. You know, Travis, I only get one side of you guys' experience. How, um, how do you guys run together? Um, she's like way ahead of me and I'm trying to catch her. <laughs> Isn't that the way it always is? <laughs> um, but you guys come to terms on the mileage you've got to do. Like today you guys went out, it was 15 degrees. Yes. That's dedication. Yeah. Why do you go out when it's freezing cold? Aren't those considered junk miles? No. Um, I thought it helps me mentally. I mean, it's, it's a mental, everything's a mental challenge to me. And everything except for the water bottles freezing up it was a perfect run nice did the water bottles actually freeze yes we didn't have nothing to drink that's really awesome <laughs> yeah somebody I... really needs to invent a uh, camelback hose that does not freeze even though you blow back into the tube it that does nothing for you when it's 15 degrees or below i did a race one time in georgia and the um it's called the north georgia adventure race and um at the start it was four degrees with three and a half to four inches of powder snow on the ground and um this race started at like 4 a.m it's like a 3 a.m race briefing it's a show the same thing happened to us all of our uh not the bladders but the hoses froze and our water bottles are on our mountain bikes froze and it made sense to me to thaw out because once you're out there how do you thaw out the tube so we, I put the tube in between the backpack and my jacket, but the sun hadn't come up yet. It was right. the middle of winter. The sun comes up at what, 6 a.m. So I had two hours of mountain biking with a frozen tube. And that really <laughs> wasn't the end of the world, except for the fact that it pinched the, the little, the nipple. <laughs> it was a slow drip on my oh, butt. Wow. <laughs> and it dripped down all of my gears and everything right. like that. The, um, well, I guess the, like that was a really crazy experience and we had the same situation where our fruits our food froze and the um all of our water froze and all of our gatorade type drinks froze yeah. and that's just a tough day but i feel like we did training prior to that race to experience tough mm -hmm. days before we went out there and i feel like some of the training you guys do is along those same lines if it's yeah. windy cold and rainy you maniacs still go out there and i only call you maniacs because those days for me are well behind me because I, I did the same thing but right. i really i really believe you guys are doing it the right way you are training for every scenario you're at least i know jenny is she is wearing every piece of gear testing it out battle testing over mm. and over and over again so that when it goes to race time you guys are ready for it because if yeah. you race in June, that weather is drastically different than a right. race in November. It is. Right. And it's and it's more challenging in the summer months for me, for sure, than the winter months. So just a note on, on running in 15 degrees. I feel like most of our runs are for the mental challenge of it because cause for me, and Travis has already had experience with JFK four times. For me, I know that um, I know myself enough that it's going to be very mental as the as the miles wear on, and so a lot of what we do, we run a lot at night, pitch black, because we know that you know it's not a comfortable time to be outside. We run. Is when the it's JFK cold at nighttime? No. Well, I went into the night 
in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you can. It is it is yeah, in the morning, it's, so it's yeah. dark in the morning when you start, and yeah. it can be dark when you finish, depending on what time you finish. It was dark when I finished. <laughs> yeah, so, so 15 degrees um, is actually preferable for me um, than, um, than, than 85 degrees or even 70 degrees right. on a nice day. Um, I run better in it. Um, and so sometimes we will do a more technical course than JFK or a, a race that we have coming up because it's it's our mental training. It's oh, and you guys are on a Ragnar together. We are. So that would justify some night training. Yep. What Ragnar race is that? We are doing Ragnar Richmond Ultra in April. So Ultra means double the distance. Double the distance. So it's a 50k. And uh, so what we what we've done a couple of times is we've run late at night and then gotten up. Um, and run the next morning or we've you know one morning it was uh, four in the morning that we decided to take our training run um, after we run the night before just to kind of get used to not having a lot of sleep running on tired legs you guys are really advanced animals like this level of training I would consider pro level and I mean that's just me talking but really the amount of effort you guys are putting into it I know Jenny's nutrition is hyper on point. Travis, are you? It's getting there. You're getting there, right? Yeah, getting there. So monitoring nutrition, tracking calories, tracking how much water you're drinking or not drinking and what's it feel like to not have any water, which right. that's a great experience because now you know you can do it and you know it can be miserable, but you also know you can survive it when it comes down to it. If you, Because you, you could just have a total bladder failure right. on a race and then there's yep. no, no water, water also. Yep. Um, but... You got a training pro level. When you start doing 4 a.m.s and, and 11 p.m.s and, and those back-to-backs, so that, that is so hardcore. I mean, I admire it. And um, it's for a special breed. And Jenny, I know, you'll never th- I know, I know you never think you're going to be a runner, but, like, really. Yeah. <laughs> you're there. I think you're there. And it's amazing. Um, I want to... <laughs> Go back to Travis again, though. So you had three attempts, right? Yes, yes, and then, three. And you've done it four times total, so you finished your last one. Yes. What went wrong in the first one? Um, <clears throat> the first one, I made it to 38 miles, and I was a good marathon runner, and I just showed up in marathon shape. And a, a freak storm come in and just ended, ended my day. What kind of storm? Wind, rain, sleep. And I just wasn't trained for it. I was trained for a marathon distance. And I made it to 38 miles, and I was a few minutes late. How was your confidence when you uh, showed up to that start line? Um, Probably too high. Okay. Because I thought that just because I was a good marathon runner, I could go out and ha- tackle Double those. the distance, half the speed. to be fine, right? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pack a lunch. <laughs> yeah, totally, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then... um. So a storm got you, and then you yeah, just ran, got ran out of juice. And just, and... It went downhill, tabbed yeah. out at 38. Where's the 38-mile mark? Um, I want to say Snatter's Landing. One of those landings, Snatter okay. or Teller's mm-hmm. Landing. So you're like a third into the um, the CNO Canal Park? Yeah, the, that goes to 42. At 42, you're off of the canal. Okay. Oh, so you only had four more miles to yeah. go to get off the canal. Okay, so you're quite a ways into that. Um, number two, what happened there? I was two minutes late at mile forty-six. And I, I know we had—I know we discussed this in the past. Yeah, I just and you know how I feel about that. Right, I, right. I, I would have kept going. Right. And I know I'm not in your position, 
at 46 miles mm-hmm. where you're just like, I don't even have four more in me. Yeah. But, dude, why? Okay. Why didn't you keep going? Because I wanted to be able to come back and try it and get an official finish. And if I would have kept going, they would have banned me from future attempts. Are you serious? Yeah. Hmm. They make that very clear to you when they're taking you off course. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize it was that strict. Oh, they're very strict. I mean, I was like two minutes late. Yeah. Hmm. Number three. Number three. Um, yeah, I think we had six inches of snow like two days before. And I was actually trained really, really well. And Freedom's run, I hurt my calf and just lost training until JFK pretty much. And I was taped up and I just bad conditions. And I timed out again at mile 38. But I was actually ready to be timed out of that race. I mean, I was, my calf was hurting. I wouldn't have quit if I would have made the time, but yeah, I, I didn't mind that. I mean, I probably had no business even starting that race, but Man. made a 38 day, 38 to miles. 50, to be a 50 miler, you got to be have a certain level of stubbornness yes. and pain threshold for sure. Now, now, being the more experienced 50 miler in the room, you yes. When Jenny brought up the idea that she was going to go down this path, I said to her, if you're committing to one JFK, plan to commit for three. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And it's because you don't know. Still unknown. There's so much unknown. You can run a 5K and have about 25 things go wrong. A 5K. Right. Three miles. You could double it. Double the things that can go wrong. But the amount of time, I'm not trying to get inside your head, baby. I'm just, I'm just saying. No, I understand. I'm just about the, I feel the, the same way. The logic behind it. Man, you could have a shoe go out. You could yeah. blow out a shoe and then your race is done. And right. then you miss your cutoff because you had to walk in your socks to the next checkpoint where there wasn't a spare shoe anyways. But <laughs> right. it's the, the dumbest things can happen. And the bigger the race, the longer the distance, the more that can just get squirrely. So you said that once there was six inches of snow before and it was just sloppy conditions? Yeah, it was just terrible. I think somebody said later that that was the worst race condition, conditions in 40, 42 or 52 years of that race. Okay, and then the um, this past one, you finished it. Congratulations. Thanks. Appreciate that. What, um, what was the key to success this year? Nutrition. Explain I, that a little bit better. Well, what, what were you eating before or during? Um, I wasn't eating. Like, the year I made it 46 miles, I think I took, like, two bites of a peanut butter sandwich all day and just drink Tailwind. Okay. This year, I have a coach now that has been helping me with nutrition and stuff. I'm using Spring Energy with Tailwind. Who's your coach? David Welsh from Plant Powered Running. Okay. And he's he's helped me understand the importance of nutrition. What are some things you ate on course? I I had the spring energies, and then Mark had got me some bacon. I, Describe I just, the spring for me. It's um the ones I take. It's got two hundred and fifty calories, which is perfect for me per hour. So it's kind of like a goo, like a yeah. goo gel kind of thing. Yeah, it's not a gel though. It's, it's like, the same sort of package. It's like applesauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like applesauce. Yeah. Okay. And it's mine has some caffeine in it, and it's two hundred and fifty calories a pack. Well, how much do you weigh? About 250, 255. Okay, that's what I'm saying now. You can't see that on a podcast. Right. So how many springs do you think you ate for the 50 miles? One an hour. Every one hour, one hour. Okay. And I took a salt tablet every half hour. 
And that was enough food to keep you moving? Yeah, I had some bacon out on course. Mark Cucuzzelli provided some bacon. <laughs> the last marathon I ran, I carried sandwiches because I knew I was going to be out there for a long day. Right. And I, I ate one of them. But I, I operate on that kind yeah. of food. So that's another good thing you guys do is you train with the spring packets. Yes. So that when you race, you're used to this state-dependent fuel. Right. Yeah. So you trained with it, you can race with it. What else made it a successful race? Um. That was the most important, I believe, and just knowing the course, knowing that I was almost there when I got tired. And I had a lot of support out on course that was pulling for me. Right. And to be honest with you, man, I was just scared of felling again. Because I, anyway, I, tell, I look at my th first three attempts as being a, fel being a failure. But, no, man. But that's I mean, just me. That's, mean, well, yeah, but. That's what, that's what drove me to go back for the fourth because I had no intentions of trying it again. Do, do you have any other big races in the last three years that you kind of wanted to go after or was, or was it all just about it JFK? It was all about JFK. Okay. So you didn't it's, have any other filler races to boost your confidence. Well, I did like Marine Corps marathon and freedoms run stuff building up to that. But you saw that as training, not as right, accomplishment. It was, right. It was training runs. Yeah, like when I when I was doing my longer races, I always had three or four a year, and if right. I failed at number two, or if we had a DNF, which was possible in adventure racing all the time, um, we could always rebound our training and focus our energy into another race in another right. state. That that way, it wasn't a one race year for us. Right, right. So, well, that makes sense. Um, about mobility, stretching. Anything um, like that? Any any keys? I, since I've got with plant powered running, I mean, I've learned somewhat how to use foam rollers and stuff, but I still got a long way to work on stuff like that. Okay. I've recently started taking yoga. I mean, yoga is really, really, really good for racing. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm not a race doctor. I'm starting to like. like that, but... I, I like that. It's something different for me to to focus my attention on. I always say this, and I could be totally wrong, but it works for me. I like I have a race come up in two weeks. It's just two five mile races. It's a sprint Ragnar. I will do very, very little running between now and then. I will do all yoga and mobility and focus on nutrition and hydration. Because as far as I'm concerned, my body knows how to run. Right. I'm not gonna forget how to run. I'm currently experiencing pain free running. So it there really is some magic in getting the mobility and the the joints flowing the way they're supposed to. Okay, so is there anything else about the success that you want to share? No. No. All right, cool. So our intention here is to have this be a series where you guys are going to discuss the most recent workout you did. Yeah. And kind of take people on a podcast journal, I guess it would be, of how it's going. So going into our next podcast, we're going to focus on the specific topics that you want to talk about. So where did you run? How far did you run? Mm -hmm. What was the plan? Did the plan work? What did you eat? How did you feel? How fast was Jenny? How fast was Travis? crazy fast? <laughs> right. I know it's crazy. I don't know what she's doing. Either. Um, and what was the trail like? Yeah. Was it road? Was it trail? Was it a mountain? Um, that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah. I think on the next one, that's what we'll talk about. Yeah. 
Today was a good one. This is, I good. guess, going on my fifth year of running up there, training for JFK, and today was the fastest that I've ever done South Mountain to Weaverton. South so, Mountain to Weaverton, how far is that? 13 miles. Is there a lot of elevation gain? About 2,000. Yeah, I believe that's what it is. Uh, yep. And your goal was to set a time record for you guys today. Yeah, we was pushing to do three three hours. Three hours. And, and what was, was the distance again? 13 it's, miles. It's, so 13 exa- miles. it's actually 13.1. Yeah, 13. Yeah. It's exactly a half marathon distance, and this is the second time test. So our first run up there when we started our training was December 21st, and we um, weren't entirely committed to running the whole thing. Right. We took about four hours. Yeah. First time test was we aimed for 325. We did it in 313. That was also my fastest time. And this is our second time test. We aimed for three hours and we uh, we got around one, or excuse me, 254. It's kind of slow for you, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> we pay it's, so it's, it's important. Actually, that's a really important point because my half marathon time on road is, is, sub, sub, two. is sub two. So when you're running mountain trails, um, it, it's a good context to keep in mind that you're on the mountains and you have a lot of elevation and the Appalachian Trail is, is, is very rocky. And so when you're up there, your time is not the same as what it's going to be on road. Um, and so you have to kind of adjust your expectations of, of what you're doing. And, and, and for me, I go more on how is my fueling? Do I have the right gear on? What is my perceived exertion? And where is my training partner? So today's run was very much about us chasing that goal but we were very quiet. The, I think the whole run, we were very quiet. We were just going to work. We were, we were, we were going to hit this goal, and 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 and, and in doing so, we knew that it was going to be hard work, and and it was. You've run this section enough times that you kind of knew where you had to be by a certain time. We did. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we done so, the first half on I think one twenty four. That's when I looked at my watch when we went to Gaplin. We was about 124 in. So you knew you had a six-minute window. Yes. We did. You had credited yes. yourself six minutes. Yes. Jenny loves doing that. Yes. But I also knew that I struggled more on the Weaverton side. And I become very intense at, at a certain point. When I start chasing something. Travis is nodding his head. <laughs> when, when I start chasing something, I get more and more and more intense. And so on this particular course, exactly halfway through is Gatlin State Park. And so that's, that's always kind of your, um, there's a nice memorial there and it, it's always kind of your measurement. We're halfway through, how do we do on the first? How are we gonna do on the second? And while Weaverton has, in my opinion, more rocks um, to traverse, the first half has the paved section. Oh, sorry, do you mean like rocks like the size of this kitchen counter? <laughs> or we're talking rocks like smaller rocks like? Both. Like really annoying small rocks. You're doing a lot of rock scrambling. And in fact, in, in certain sections, you can have an entire mile where it feels like you're rock running. You mean like on all four scrambling? No. I'm th- when you say rock scramble, I'm thinking old rack. Uh, no, no. What? When, when we're running, we are running uh, just on our feet. 
but hop, 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 hop. So they're going from rock to rock. Like a to rock, rock garden versus a trail with roots. Yes. Okay. And and there are big boulders, but there are also sections with with little rocks. There there are sections with big hills. There are sections that are flat that are just heavenly to run. But the first part of the course, although although that's more challenging on the Weaverton side when it comes to rocks, the first part of the course, you're actually on the Appalachian Trail for a mile, and then you go off onto a paved road, which is incredibly hilly. Um, and so that can actually eat up a lot of your time. So where you might spend, spend time in the second half on a lot of rocks, you can also spend the same amount of time just trying to get up that hill because it will, it will kill your posterior yeah. chain. You know, yeah, that, it's it hurts. tough, yeah. Took 17 minutes to get up, to get up it today. <laughs> Is that a long time? Yeah. Okay. No, it, no actually, I think we did really well yeah. today. Uh, getting out. But it's a 17-minute climb is what you're saying. Right, mm -hmm. yes, yes. Yeah, and it's a climb. The whole thing is a climb. Yes. Hmm. Okay. I get it. I don't like it. I don't want to be there myself, but <laughs> I, I, I see what you guys are doing. Okay. So you made your time, Hack. What's next? What's the next big training? Well, right now, we've reached um, a couple of weeks ago, we... Um, we peaked out at uh, 23 miles yes. and so at this stage our training uh, breaks our long runs into two so we'll do a saturday long run and then sunday we'll have a handful of miles um, so that we can get all of our miles in because when what i'm learning is when you're ultra training it doesn't always make sense to do those incredibly long runs in one shot. And we want to be as productive as possible. So, um, so moving forward, we have our, our runs split between Saturday and Sunday. Um, and we haven't decided where we're going to run next week, but typically we'll talk in the middle of the week and say, where do we want to go this week? Do we want to try a new section of the Appalachian Trail so we don't get totally burned out by sections we've done? We've run at Poor House Farm twice. Well, you guys um, got to go back to that section I recommended. No. Got to score to send to Travis. Yes, probably about a month. Okay. That's what. That's my goal is to get back there in a month and... I kind of want to go with you. This is the on. Keys Gap section. I want to see what the big deal about that yes, is. Yes, come on out. <laughs> Keys Gap going toward Raven Rocks. And Route 7. Not the Harper's Ferry side. So that we did, a, that's the day that we did a 23-mile. Um, out and back. Yes. Out and back. Okay. Anything else from today's run you want to talk about? Okay. Let's talk about... Let's talk about the um, time commitment it takes to be a 50, a Highland Sky training person. What kind of what kind of hours are you guys putting in in training total, approximately? Well, I'm still learning um, all this training for ultras. I mean, I have the context of training for a marathon, and, and I really enjoy early morning training because it feels like I get up super early, I get it done, and I don't feel like I've, I've spent my whole day. But typically, um, for our long runs, we are meeting at 7, and we're probably running until noon or 1 yeah. in the afternoon. Um, and that's just Saturday, so it's... Just just putting in the time. Well, time two, on feet. Two to a week is about an hour, hour and a half each time though. So. Yeah, and, and and I can say that from having this consistency throughout the week of, of just putting in the time, 
that for the first time, I can honestly say, since I've been running um, since 2014, that running is getting easier. So today, something very significant happened for me in that we were uh, we we ran nearly the entire course. There were a couple of sections that were uphill that we had to walk, but my brain went into this mode where it just switched over to doing the work. Um, it was almost as if I was out of my body and my body was just floating and doing it what it had to do. And my brain was just like, check the rocks, don't trip, don't fall. Everything, it was it was really like I was on autopilot. And I think that's because I'm getting so used to running. You are a machine. Okay. It felt good. You speak mm -hmm. so flippantly. Like, oh, you know. <laughs> no. 15, 13, 14, 15 miles. And it's like, you know, autopilot, seven minute miles, whatever. <laughs> you joke about that, but... But honestly, I don't want to ever give the impression that I'm that runner because I'm not. I no, have... I don't. I don't mean that way. But I'm saying that you don't. It only recently did you realize you're a runner because yes. you've been so anti-runner. Yes. And now you're attempting 50 mile training, something we discussed a year ago that said you were never going to go after. And now here we are, and that's fine. <laughs> but you are taking to it so well that it's it's hard i know it's hard for you to see the kind of runner you're becoming but you are truly becoming an exceptional runner jenny well thank you over to travis is this your first training partner i would say i mean i've my first training partner that we trained together all the time i mean i ran with other people oh sure yeah but yes, I'm saying this, for the sake of accountability. Yes, this, I, I, if this, I was to say, if I was to say my, when I'm training, even if I had training partners, I would bail out. I'm like, nah, right. I'm not feeling it today. Jen tries to get me to run all the time. I'm not, I'm not trying to go right. out because I'm not feeling it today. Is this the first time having accountability for your training? It is. How's that going? I've went running on days that I probably wouldn't have went running if I was by myself, but I know that. I don't want to let her down, put her out there by herself, because I know she's going to do it. That's true. <laughs> and, and, I mean, we've made this deal together and just want to keep up my end of it. It's an amazing deal you guys have. And, and I think you. I should add, because I, I didn't really close it out when I, when I talked about how I was linked up with him. The reason that, a primary reason that we're doing this and running JFK and, and we've made this bet is because we're running to represent something bigger. He's always run to represent the addicted to community in recovery and look what you can do. And, and he's that kind of beacon of hope. Um, my piece in it is, is representing the people on the other side, really. And so doing something bigger than ourselves, um, to your point, I, I don't know if I can finish this. And, and I like that. I think that that's what the goal should be. I don't know if I can finish Highland Sky, um, but I'm doing something bigger than myself because it has a greater meaning for me in my life. That's really awesome. The next podcast that we will do, we will have, it'll be shorter and we will hash out how the run went. Okay. Maybe set some goals, figure out if we met the goals or not. What is the, what is the goal for the next run? Next weekend is what? We haven't decided where we're going to run yet, but I believe it's 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 simply a training run. So not every week is like this week where we have a time goal. This is about once a month that we're doing. 
Um, next week's probably going to be a generalized training run, probably anywhere from 15 to 18 miles, something oh, like man. that, minimally 15. Um, it's going to be on trail. Um, we have to just decide which course we want to do that we're not tired of yet. Okay, one last thing as we wrap up. If somebody was considering running the JFK, and we're going to finish up every podcast this way, what is one tip you would give them? Or what somebody who is hoping to be successful at the JFK 50, what is the first tip, Jenny, that you would give? <laughs> well, from my perspective, not having done it, I can't really say much, but I would say... You're training for it. Though. I would say, number one, respect it. I am all in because I have 110% respect for the distance and the process that it's going to take to get there. That's really good. Travis. I would say commitment. Go a little farther on that. Just don't do like I did the first time. Just show up thinking you can wing 50 miles and actually train your body for it. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I've got so much respect for this. I mean, I've been humbled by this race. I mean, three times and actually four times. I mean, I just finished it. One of them. Okay. I mean, it's a tough race. I mean, you got to know it's going to hurt. It's going to be a long day. But just prepare yourself mentally for it. And awesome. put, put in the time to do it. Do right, the guys. work. All right. Thanks a lot. Till next time. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by City National Bank in Ransom, West Virginia. I am Melissa Nott and manage both of our Jefferson County locations. Our Charlestown location is located on George Street in Charlestown, and the Ransom location is located in the Potomac Marketplace Shopping Center. City National Bank is a full-service community bank that provides an array of financial services. We offer a range of free checking accounts and savings products for both consumer and business customers. City National Bank offers competitive low-rate and low-cost lending products for both business and personal needs. Come and talk to me or one of my team members and get products and services that are tailored to fit your schedule and help you to achieve your financial goals. I can be reached at both the Ransom and Charlestown locations. Check out our website at www.bankatcity.com.